Hey there, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Texas Tales podcast, the show where we talk about Texas history and enjoy ourselves a cocktail or two. I'm Ryan. And this is Tracy. Why don't you pour yourself a drink and join us for what we're sure will be a stimulating, partially factual Tales About Texas. wine you brought us tonight what is it i don't know i forget the name of it mark markham i don't know it's is good it, though it's is red. it texas based uh no it's not oh, this is high this is napa no oh, i like it that's very good it is very good so i appreciate you bringing it yeah you know it's uh it's treating me right you know i'm pretty excited to have this conversation tonight well it took us a lot to get here tonight it, it's tough having a day job and it's been pretty brutal putting out podcasts. Yeah, it's been pretty rough. It's been busy, I think, for both of us. Well, I know it's been busy for both of us. Yeah. And uh, we're kind of running behind, but we're going to catch up. We got to. Yeah. And so this is a kind of a, a late night recording session to get it in this week. <laughs> we're, we're up against it. We're up against it. But you know what? Here we are. I'm excited to discuss this topic. One, because up to about 30 minutes ago, I didn't know this was the topic I was going to do. Yeah. Up until 30 minutes ago, you were going to do the origins of sake in Texas. Yes. And I still want to do that because I've been told that there is a history there, but unfortunately I haven't been able to research it and I don't, I haven't found anything yet to back that up. I looked for it and I couldn't find it. I know. I know. So it was basically how... Japanese Texas farmers helped the Japanese through rice production. It wasn't even Japanese farmer specific. It was just it was how Texas farmers post World War II were growing rice, and there was a population of Japanese farmers that were doing this. Yeah, that's what I saw in the Gulf Coast. But essentially, how they basically helped support the food effort in Japan post World War II by growing rice and shipping it over. Now, again, that hasn't been corroborated. I haven't been able to find any actual facts on that. And that's not what this podcast is about today. Right. And so that basically led into sake production and basically how there's a there's a tie, obviously, with growing rice. It's rice-based sake. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, it's kind of paying heritage to Texas and Japan. It's kind of an interesting link. However... That's not corroborated. So that's just kind of out there. That's something I think that's really interesting. I'd love to do more research about it, but I haven't found anything on it. Yeah. But so I basically told Tracy, I was like, listen, I really want to do this story, but I have nothing that I can find on it. So I'm not doing anything, you know, Japan related. And so then I start looking at like for different ideas and I come across another, (laughs) I come across another story that is going to have a link to Japanese Americans. It was meant to be. It was meant to be, for sure. So the reason why I'm really excited about this topic is because it combines two of my favorite subjects, which is World War II Mm -hmm. and history. Yeah, Texas history. Texas history, yeah. Did you know that there's a list of honorary Texans out there? Like, apparently people are just, like, naming Texans out of the blue, whoever they feel like. I did not know. Yeah. But I have a feeling... So just off the top of your head, just pick like, just pick like somebody you would think 
that could possibly like a famous person that would be like an honorary Texan. These are not Texans that are being come honorary they Texans. They were being like dubbed, like somebody had them take a knee and they did like a sword on either <laughs> shoulder and they're all of a sudden a Texan. Um, okay. These are usually singers and actors, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a hint. Okay. I'll give you a big hint. One was an actor and, well, I guess still, yeah, he was an actor and a governor. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Really? The Terminator is an honorary Texan. Why? That's a good question. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't have the I answer. Have, I have no idea why. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger is an honorary Texan? Yeah. At some point, I guess there was a governor and I don't, I don't know the top of my head who it was. But, yeah, they basically were like, yeah, 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 you can be a Texan. That makes sense. Honorary Texan. So, I was going through this list of, of honorary Texans. John Wayne. John Wayne is absolutely. That's the only one that I can yeah, think of. For is sure. he? And it makes sense. Yeah. Okay. John Wayne. I mean, he's, come on. Yeah. Well, if he's, he's not, like Mr. Western. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to make him an honorary Texan. I mean, I can see why that Californian is an honorary Texan, but I yeah. can't see why Schwarzenegger right. is an honorary Texan. What was John Wayne's name? It was like Marion something. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. John Wayne. Chuck Norris. Oh, sure. Which, absolutely, I'm in for Chuck Norris. It's Walker, Texas Ranger. Where was he born? Uh, I think they said he was born in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Rick Perry apparently just went ham and just started making people honorary Texas left and right. So he had like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity, oh, sure. Sarah Palin. Sure. <laughs> he just started, like all the people that were supporting him, he yeah. was like, hey, guess what? Honorary Texan. Did they even want to be? I doubt it. I, I'm sure at no point were they like, I really want to have this honor. No, he just started saying, hey, Texan, Texan. Prior to Rick Perry, we also had, well, Bob Dylan is an honorary Texan. Oh. Bob Hope. And then, yeah, we talked about the Terminator himself, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So that kind of leads into the topic now tonight. So on that same list of honorary Texans, a group of people, I think it was like a thousand men. Mm. These people actually deserved the title of honorary Texan. In 1962, Governor John Conley made the entire 442nd Regimental Combat Team and the 100th Battalion Sea Divisions of the U.S. Army during World War II honorary Texans. Wow. Yeah. They must have done something big. It was about 1,000 men. Yep. So we'll go all the way back, obviously, to World War II, 1944. And we're going to talk about the 1st Battalion of the 101st Regiment comprised of the Texas National Guard. Okay. So their nickname was the Alamo Regiment, which as it should be. Well, it shouldn't be though. Well, I mean the Alamo didn't end well. So that seems like somebody like outside of Texas nicknamed them the Alamo Regiment. Surely it wasn't them. That's Texas pride, man. That is that thing where it's like remember the only Alamo Texans can make a disaster into something good. Into a movie, into a, into movie. a song, sure. into a legend. I'm sorry, but if you and I are sitting around and we're we're going into battle, we're going into World War II, and we basically are like coming up with nicknames for our regiment. The Alamo's not going to be on the short list. your ass came up with the Alamo, <laughs> I'm going to say, no, sir. You're predicting a no, loss. <laughs> no, not this regiment. It seems like they were kind of doomed from the beginning on this yeah. one. But yeah, so the, the, the 141st Regiment essentially made up of all Texans, they are put on the front lines of a big push 
to run the Germans out of France. Okay, so this is early in World War II. Early in World War II, yep. These guys are at the front lines, and they get so gung-ho and basically charging the Germans and pushing them out of the forests and the mountains of, I think it was like eastern France, that they get so far ahead of their supporting forces, they get cut off. So now they're surrounded by the Germans. Yeah. So they advanced past they just the people on their left and the people on their right. And right. now they're way up there. That's exactly they right. They outkicked their coverage. They outkicked their coverage. 100%. And so now they're on an island. Only it's not an island. It's a mountaintop. So they have that going for them because they have the terrain and they have the line of sight. Oh, because they're up so high. Because they're they up so the high. Yep. But they're still getting like just bombarded and shelled by the Germans. And apparently Hitler himself found out about the Alamo Regiment on this mountaintop. And he ordered the Germans not to let them escape. <sighs> yeah. Hitler. Mm-hmm. What a jerk. He was the one in the the schoolhouse explosion episode that we did earlier, who whenever he found out about the explosion, he basically came out and like called and was like, this sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. We really should have regulations surrounding this. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Adolf. (laughs) And now he's saying, go kill those Texans. Yeah. Who would have guessed that Adolf would make numerous appearances on a Texas, on a Texas tail? He's already done it twice more than I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so these these poor bastards are up there on that mountaintop, and oh. they're just getting shelled. It was freezing cold. Yeah. It was rainy. It was muddy. They're on this mountaintop. They're basically having to find or create cover with tree limbs and dig what I'm they sure can. I'm sure they got to be trying to dig trenches as much as they can on a mountaintop. It's not even trenches. I think it's more like just manholes or yeah. whatever, right? I mean, just whatever they can kind of get down and hunker under something. They're having to do that because they're just getting shelled. And so they're trying to basically cover themselves from these tree bursts that are going on all around We've seen that on Saving Private Ryan. On uh, Band of Brothers. On Band of Brothers. Great. Great series. And how vivid did they portray the tree bursts? That was such a cool scene. Right? Yeah. Violent. Yeah. Yeah. The actor, the line during that scene was... It just reminded him of like 4th of July, but it, I mean, obviously it was deadly. Yeah, and was trees like exploding over their exploding heads. Exploding over their heads, yeah. And then just shrapnel and splinters and everything else flying off of there. So, yeah. So, these guys are in a bad spot. So, apparently, the army decides, okay, we're going to pause the advance on the Germans, you know, pushing them out. And we're going to redirect our efforts to get the... The Alamo Regiment. To save these guys. To save these guys from this situation. And the Alamo Regiment also has another unfortunate nickname that basically is carried down through history from because of this debacle. Oh, you don't want to be known for something bad forever. Yeah. They're known as the Lost Battalion. Uh, yeah. Which, <laughs> which is, they, they lost them. They went too is, far. Yeah, which is just terrible. So you go from the Alamo Regiment, which hopefully wasn't self-proclaimed, and then you go to the Lost Battalion, and you're like, I can't imagine this is a good thing. So you're moving into France, you're trying to stay organized, you're driving the Germans, and then all of a sudden you got this Lost Battalion. So instead of keeping up our push forward, we got to go find this Lost group. Yeah, and imagine if you're the guy in charge of the Lost Battalion. Like, think about how small you feel. Like, you're, are you sitting there? You're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to tell these guys. Like, I got to report to my commander I'm that gonna, I'm, I was the guy that was responsible for us being the lost battalion. I'm going to make up an excuse. Say, we were just fighting so much harder than y'all. We're we got fer- further ahead. <laughs> Ferocious like, fighters. Uh, yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta tell, you know, 
not only the Americans, but you also have the the British that are working with you. Yeah, everybody's on pause now <laughs> because of these because you lost battalion you, yeah, of Texans. Right. I mean, we're making light of it. Oh, but I'm sure it was devastating. A lot of people probably died. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, well, yes, of course, a lot of people died. It's unfortunate. We are making light of it. But it's kind of a funny situation. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it now. But, yes. I'm assuming it gets better because we're not going to end with these guys, like, getting just totally massacred. Are we not? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's find out. (laughs) Okay. So, the army at this point, obviously, now is is redirecting their efforts to, to get these guys basically back. And they turn to... The 442nd and the 100th Infantry Combat Regiments okay. to uh, lead the charge up the mountain to get these guys basically freed from German grips. The battalion's motto was go for broke. The ones that were saving the Texans. Yeah, the ones okay. that were going up this mountain. So basically these guys were hardened fighters. They you know, had earned a reputation for basically just getting things done. Yeah. So that's who the army turned to. It took them five days of brutal close quarters combat. It was bitterly cold. It was wet. It was windy. These guys are having to basically slip and slide their way up this mountain. Oh, imagine that. Step by step. And they're they're getting shot at. They're fighting Germans up close. And they said it's like yard by yard, inch by inch, just working their way up this mountain methodically. Mm-hmm constantly in combat i mean i can't even imagine close quarters combat up a mountain for five days straight what's going through my head is you push so far ahead of the troops on your left and your right you're now in the back of the german troops you're basically in german territory you're behind enemy lines they can surround you completely yes so now if you're these americans trying to save these texans you're probably i mean imagine it because you're having to push further as well at this point right right I mean, completely outkicked their coverage. Yeah. Completely got behind enemy lines. Yeah. And now you're reliant on these guys. They're having to basically put their necks on the line to now, I mean, push through a pretty bad situation. I mean, not even a pretty bad, what seemingly, I mean, it seems like an impossible situation going up a mountain in these conditions. And it sounds like the Germans were very well aware I mean, Hitler knew yes. they were raining down, you know, artillery on them. Like, right. they, everyone knew they were there. Yes. So, that became the focus I'm imagining at that point. I mean, at what point are you sitting there and you're like, this is just a, a losing proposition. Uh, I mean, this is like a suicide mission. 100%. You want me to go up this mountain? For what? <laughs> isn't isn't Berlin that way? Right. Right. And I got to stop and go up this, this side yeah. and... We're gonna, I mean, we're going to do a little detour here. There's trees exploding above my head, sir. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I would have been very good at this. Well, it sounds like these guys followed orders really Just go well and were capable. I would not. I don't know that I would have been that guy. <laughs> I maybe would have questioned things and sure. been like, hey. It's not to question why, but to, to do, do or die. die. The 442nd started the campaign. So the guys that basically were were tasked with going up the mountain to get the Texans freed. They started the campaign with 3,000 men. They suffered 800 wounded and 200 KIA. That's a third of your 
yeah. regiment right there. Yep. And then the Texans during the same time period lost 20% of their force. And that's, that's a little bit shocking that they, that it's only 20%, but at the same time, like they're hunkered down and they're on top of this high ground. I mean, they got the high ground. Yeah. But I mean, still that's, that's no joke. I mean, they're, they're definitely getting their butts kicked at this point. The really, really interesting piece to me on this one, this is where I was like, okay, I really want to do this story, is when I found out the 442nd Regiment was a Nisei Regiment, which I had to look it up. And the Nisei, Nisei is basically a, I guess, North American term for Japanese-born Americans. Oh, Right. I've never heard of that term before. I hadn't either. But I guess it was known that this was like this regiment was specifically created and it was all like second generation Japanese Americans. So Nisei is a term for second generation Japanese soldiers? No, no. Nisei is just a, a, a regular term. Is it derogatory? I don't think it's derogatory. Okay. I mean, it, I Googled it and it basically just said this is a term that was used in North America for Japanese Americans that were not born in America. These now second generation Japanese Americans, they are, they have a reputation there. I mean, they're hardened fighters and they were chosen to basically lead the way to save this battalion. That's this lost battalion on top of the mountain. Many of these Japanese Americans in this regiment started the war in internment camps in the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah. Japanese internment camps? Yes. So they were in the Japanese internment camps along with their families. And they basically, I I guess they petitioned whoever and said, listen, just let us fight. Instead of keeping us in these internment camps, let let us go fight. And then whatever happens to us, happens to us. That's amazing. But don't keep us in these camps. That is amazing. Right. So they could have opted to stay, I'm assuming, with their families Mm -hmm. in these camps. Yep. Uh, the internment camps were camps where across the United States, mostly in the in the West, in California, I think we had two or three in Texas, yep. Japanese Americans, basically that were originally, I think it was people who were suspected of helping Japan, well, had an affinity for Japan, were put in there. Eventually, I think they came through and put all the Japanese men and women and yeah. children into these camps during World War II. Yeah, so it was my understanding that there was like this pervasive fear at the beginning of when World War II was starting to break out for Americans, at least. And so they, we started to see more and more of Japanese Americans basically being segregated yep. and taken to these camps. Yep. And then eventually it just became rampant and they just started locking up anybody and everybody who was of Japanese descent because of Pearl Harbor. It's one of the things we always joke about. I think originally the government was like, we're going to separate you to, for your own protection. Yeah, right. And then eventually right. they just started putting everybody in there. Yeah. We always say, anytime somebody says, we're going to separate you for your own safety. Right. It's not a it's good not sign. not a good thing. Right. Well, good for these guys. Yeah. Pretty amazing. So these guys, they, you know, it talks about how they're battle hardened and how they're always kind of leading the way in. I when I started reading the story, I was like, okay, that's that's pretty cool. But then I started thinking, well, damn, like were they battle hardened and leading the way just because the army was saying we're gonna just put the the Japanese guys out in front? Yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was it one of those things where they're just like, we'll let them take care of it because we don't want our guys to go or whatever the case is? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. I hope not. Right, I hope not. Right, but 
because of that, I guess they became battle hardened and they, they got this reputation of being really, really good fighters. They were also known as the Purple Heart Regiment. Oh, that can't be good. Well, right. Right. That's got to be because they've got more Purple Hearts than most. Yeah. So they were called the Purple Heart Regiment because they basically were getting wounded left and right in all these different battles. But it makes sense because if you're always being put out front. Right. Then you're going you're, you're gonna to lead the way as far as wounded and all that. They received uh, more Purple Hearts than any other unit of their size during World War II. Wow. Yeah. So do we owe these guys for saving the Texans? We do. Yeah. So after five days of hard fighting, the the 442nd and I think what was it, the 101st? They not the 101st, that's the airborne, but the other the other unit I mentioned earlier. <laughs> the hundred? <laughs> yeah. They uh they got up to the top of the uh, top of the mountain and they freed the the Texans. They saved our Texans? They saved the Texans and um yeah, I mean it's all owed to the to the Japanese Americans who started the war out in internment camps. So one of the things I think is very interesting about this is they were fighting the prejudices of Americans going in and during World War II. Yes. And they chose to fight in spite of that for their country. Right. And it sounds like these gentlemen actually chose that. They said, "Hey, even though our families are all imprisoned, don't sideline us." Let's get out there and take it to them. And then they went and fought. And then they came through for us. Yeah. Saved the boys from Texas. Yeah. I mean, I think they had a really hard go of it. I mean, from what it sounds like. Yeah. This is just one instance in their, I'm sure they, in their overall campaign. I'm sure. But you're exactly right. So when the 442nd returned from Europe, President Harry Truman, he quote, this is a quote of, of Harry Truman's. He said, uh, you have fought not only the enemy, but you have fought prejudice. Oh, there you go. And you have won. Keep up that fight, and we will continue to win. That's what makes this great republic stand for just the, for just what the Constitution says it stands for: the welfare of all people, all the time. Hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty it's pretty remarkable. Yes, at this time, and you know, at the height of the hysteria of World War II and the prejudice that's going around, and and I'd also when I was doing the research or when I was trying to learn more about the Saki side of things. There was a, an influx of Japanese migration to Texas specifically mm-hmm. in like the early, early 1900s, like 1903, 1904, in that time period. We sort of started to see more Japanese coming into America as a whole. And for whatever reason, there is there is like a, for lack of a better word, prejudice or hatred, right, towards the people that are coming in, the Japanese that are coming in for whatever reason. Yeah. And so it all just kind of came to a head with the internment camps and Pearl Harbor and all that. And so we kind of see the the segregation at that point. If you but, talk to some, you know, let's say older folks, yeah, probably World War II older folks, they had a real hatred for the Japanese. Yes. I mean, a real hatred. Like the kind of hatred that you only have when you fight a war yeah. and you've seen some stuff. Well, you know listen, I mean? I mean, Pearl Harbor was real. Pearl Harbor yeah. happened and that was, that was awful. And yeah. so... I mean, I can remember in in high school during 9-11. I mean, people, they called 9-11, this is your generation's Pearl Harbor. Right. I mean, it it's it was a awful, awful, awful thing. Yeah. So I can, to an extent, understand why an older generation would have sore feelings towards the Japanese, even though, yeah. I mean, it's just like us, right? Like, we had nothing to do with certain things in the past. 
the vast majority of pe- uh, people from Japan didn't have anything to do with right. Pearl Harbor or anything like that. So right. it's maybe a little unfair, but there's sore feelings there for sure. I mean, that's just that's just history. I mean, there's sore feelings that I mean, it just takes place. I would say that you cannot put the 442nd, those thousand men, in the same list with John Wayne. No, they're the best. They're they they deserve the or honor Chuck or, Norris or or Arnold Schwarzenegger or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the 442nd earned it, and they by far at the top of that list. I mean, in my in my opinion, absolutely. I saw, so I saw another. I saw a list of like the top ten honorary Texans, and they were number two behind like somebody ridiculous. I think it, <laughs> it might have been Schwarzenegger. It might can not we, have been. Can we promote and, them? And I was like, Are you freaking kidding me? They're number two. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, it's absurd. Well, they've definitely earned it. I'm not sure that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's earned it. No. They no, the Terminator has not. So, I guess you know it, it, <laughs> the Lost Battalion, the Alamo Regiment. This episode doesn't really help actual Texans out from a pride no, standpoint. No, it's great history, and what their name actually came to be. Yes, is they were Alamoed at the top of the mountain. Yeah. And they were getting shelled. Do you think at some point it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy? That's what, exactly what it is. I was I was imagining some guy in a foxhole yelling over to Bob in his foxhole and go, I told you <laughs> I told we you. shouldn't have named it, Alamo. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> this is on you. Yeah, that's probably right. <laughs> I can imagine that guy's like. That's probably yeah, right. Now's not the time, George. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Now's not the time. That's that's what I imagine. Well, I like this. This is a very good subject. It's not Saki, and I love Saki, but this is probably better than a Saki story. Well, I, I think the Saki could be good just from an agricultural historical standpoint. I think I think it could be a good one. I don't know that it's even real, that it'll ever exist. You think it's a tall tale you were told? Maybe it might have been. It might have been. But this was still good, man. I love yeah. World War II. I love when you kind of get unexpected turns and with the 442nd with the the Japanese-born Americans that were in internment camps that came to the rescue of Texans that were in dire need of it in France fighting the Germans. I mean, come on. It was a good it was a good little story. Texans and, need a little help too sometimes. Yeah. Who would have guessed? Cheers. Cheers, brother. All right, friends, that's going to do it for this episode of the Texas Tales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. If you'd like to keep up with us outside of the podcast, you can find us on Instagram at TXTalesPodcast, or you can visit our online store at www.independencetrailretail.com for all things Texas swag. I'm Ryan, and that's Tracy. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.